Hey y'all, Pastor Drew here. This is the second podcast on a series we're doing, reviewing the book, Breaking Spiritual Strongholds in Your City. Today we're looking at chapter one called An Overview of Spiritual Mapping by George Otis Jr. So before we dive in, uh, after Saturday's prayer time at Orlando City Soccer Stadium, which was amazing, And then after reading this chapter, the importance of spiritual mapping as a part of spiritual warfare just keeps coming up in my heart. It just like the Lord keeps highlighting it. And I kept wondering as he was highlighting this topic, um, I kept wondering, has anyone mapped the city of Orlando or the greater Orlando area? Um, And I was considering a city of our size and thought, You know, there's probably other intercessors out there that have possibly mapped it in the last 20 years. So, uh, again, as I was reading through this chapter, I emailed the Sentinel Group, which is the group led by George Otis Otis Jr., and I asked them this question. I asked if their group knew of whether Orlando had been mapped, and for that matter, how much of the world has been mapped. Uh, I asked if there was any archives that they knew of that we could see. And, um, and I didn't really know who else to ask because I, I couldn't find any contact info on their website or on C. Peter Wagner's website. But anyways, I just sent them an email on Monday. But then they replied to me on Wednesday, which uh, was super fascinating. I'll get into that at the end of the podcast. But... Um, If you all are any good at doing research in these ways, this might be something we could tag team on. And and basically what we want to find out is if anyone in the group of authors that was a part of writing this book, basically any trusted voices in the region, uh, regional or national scale spiritual warfare, if anyone knows of such an archive. Um, Basically what I mean is an archive that deals with spiritual mapping. Uh, how much of the world has been mapped. Um, With that said, let's dive into this first chapter. So in this first chapter, Otis Jr. talks about his extensive experience in spiritual mapping and in ministry, pretty much. Um, And he defines um, different things and breaks assumptions. He also explains certain aspects of spiritual battle that we need to be more aware of. He establishes a biblical basis for spiritual warfare. He tells us what spiritual mapping is. He gives us the rundown on how demon strongholds come about and then how territorial strongholds are established and maintained. He tells us the difference between the prevailing bondage and root bondages and then uh, strategy of the enemy to expand. And then he calls us all at the end of the chapter, um, he calls Christians who are warriors to rise up. So that's kind of an overview. Now let's dive in. Starting back at the top, um, Otis Jr. starts the chapter off by reviewing viewing some of his ministry and multiple places he's been. So today he's To say he's been through a lot and that God has shown him a lot is a huge understatement. But on page 34, he says, 
This intimate and far-ranging journey has also led me to conclude that evangelistic progress of recent decades is not likely to be sustained in the future unless Christians become better acquainted with the principles of spiritual warfare. He goes on to say this. He says, The church is presently faced with two substantial external challenges to its continued expansion. The first one is demonic entrenchment, and the second one is the lateness of the hour. Now, as George Otis Jr. explains, God has reached much of the world through his people, and this has caused many demons to band together more. So what used to be much more of a spread-out demonic regime has become much more of a clumped-together bands of demons. Uh, He also found that demons have become more strategic in deciding who they band together with or the specific areas that they choose to entrench. Uh, in, In Otis Jr.'s opinion, he believes if we're to expand the gospel of Jesus in the world, then we'll have to be willing to engage in the spiritual battle with these demons. And, and I just want to say to that, amen. I totally agree with them, and it's something that I feel like the Lord has put on my spirit for the last couple of years. I feel like we're just now getting around to comprehending and stepping into the battle. Also, Otis Jr. believes we need to recognize that these are the end times. So we don't have much time left, and he's trying to bring attention to that. And though I do agree with his statement, these are the end times, and uh, that awareness helps so so we can make sure that all would hear the gospel, Um, but I'm not sure that the pressure of that statement and, and it pushing us to hurry because it's ending, I'm not sure that that helps people. In fact, I think the answer is to simply listen and follow God in doing what he says. Um, uh, some will benefit from the added push of being it being the end times, but um, I just encourage us not to strive out of pressure, but to simply listen and follow the Lord. All right, in the next se- section, he goes over definitions and assumptions. George Otis Jr. digs into spiritual mapping not being about focusing on demons or about ignoring the spiritual realm altogether. He brings it back to spiritual mapping being about God helping us to see what is actually there in our region so that we can follow his lead in tearing down the enemy's strongholds and building up God's kingdom strongholds. On page 36, um, Otis Jr. writes that spiritual mapping is subjective in that it is a skill born out of a right relationship with God and love for his world. And I thought this was a great distinction regarding the motive that we should be diving into with this topic. We should be stepping into spiritual mapping from intimacy with Jesus as he's teaching here. And through the whole process of spiritual mapping, continuing in intimacy with Jesus. In other words, in all things, Jesus is in the center of this. All right, so moving on to the next section. In this uh, next section, I I really felt like uh, 
it, it was vital that he points out three observations. Uh, he raises awareness to what's happening in the spiritual uh, battle today, and and he's sharing reality, not to glorify the enemy, but to help us recognize what is there. So here's the three observations. Number one, spiritual darkness is increasing and is becoming more sophisticated. Number two, there's a geographical pattern to evil and spiritual oppression. And number three, the church does not understand the spiritual dimension as well as we think. Uh, So I think these observations can help us. uh, They can wake us up to what we need to be aware of. Honestly, I, I teach spiritual warfare um, uh, on a podcast, and, and I have a lot to learn about this topic still. So I'm really glad to learn from Otis Jr. and these other, artists, uh, uh, other authors. But whatever the case, I hope as intercessors we can take the stance of enjoying the fascination and growth of learning instead of feeling intimidated by demons or this book. In other words, let's get informed by what we're learning here and then rise up empowered because that's where we're headed, into more empowerment as warriors in God's spirit. All right, moving into the next section, um, Otis Jr. goes into the difference between extra-biblical and unbiblical. Uh, he takes some time to help people who may still be wrestling with whether this has biblical ground, whether biblical, whether spiritual mapping is actually something that God wants us to do. So he clearly differentiates between two terms in this section. He, he writes on page 38, extra biblical is a yellow light that encourages passage with caution while unbiblical is a red light that requires travelers to halt in the name of the law and common sense. So, in other words, if um, something does not come from the Bible, but maybe something God has revealed by His Spirit, then it's extra-biblical and it's worth considering. But if something disagrees with the Bible entirely, then it's unbiblical and should be discarded. And this is the differentiation that Otis Jr. makes, and he's trying to help us understand that spiritual mapping, uh, we might not see as many details as we want in the Bible, but uh, we do see it in the Bible, and uh, he wants us to pursue what the Spirit wants us to see. All right, so George Otis Jr. proceeds by pointing out that Daniel 10 clearly reveals the prince of Persia was a territorial spirit that was over Persia. And he also points out that Ezekiel 28, 12 through 19, Deuteronomy 32, 8, and Ephesians 12 are further evidence of territorial spirits. All right, to further solidify uh, that territorial spirits are real, Otis Jr. spends a whole paragraph asking powerful questions about the topic. And here's just like one sentence of that paragraph. He says, why are some areas more oppressive and some areas more idolatrous? 
more spiritually barren than others. And he's bringing up how different areas have different strongholds. So, of course, his point is that every area has a different spiritual environment with different princes of darkness that reside there. So there's a different type of darkness in each place. On page 41, the author gives us a helpful look at how we can view spiritual mapping by saying, it's helpful to think of this process in terms of the medical researcher who has just identified a certain virus as the causative agent behind a particular disease. The first step is usually to try and come up with some type of diagnostic tool that will help doctors and patients know what they're dealing with. And the next step is for researchers to direct their knowledge of the inner workings of the disease toward an eventual cure. And really, this is what we're doing as intercessors. We're finding the disease by spiritual mapping uh, and finding the territorial spirits in our region. Then we're going to apprise our intercessors and staff of the situation, possibly reaching out to the Sentinels group or Cindy Jacobs or C. Peter Wagner or other people within that organization. Then we're going to take the steps God wants us to take to exterminate the enemy and embrace what God is calling us to embrace in our region. All right, so moving forward, on page 42, Otis Jr. brings up two universal characteristics of spiritual strongholds. Number one, they repel light. Number two, they export darkness. Now, I felt these two were pretty self-explanatory, so I don't have a lot to comment about this, but I wanted to bring them up. This is important for us to understand what the enemy is doing, that spiritual strongholds, one, repel light, and two, they export darkness. All right, next, Otis Jr. begins to reveal that we need to look for the root territorial strongholds. And he keeps bringing us back to this in this chapter, this principle of looking for the root. He tells us that we need to look for where the territorial stronghold came in, its entry point. He said, in most cases, it's introduced to a people who make a deal with spiritual force of darkness to appease an immediate need for help. In other words, these are quid pro quo pacts with demons that people make. But then the stronghold takes 100-fold more than it ever gave in the first place. And this is the opposite of God's kingdom because God's kingdom gives far more than he asks for. And I just think it's, it's amazing. As I'm reading this chapter, um, I just keep seeing this distinction in the Holy Spirit between his kingdom and the enemy's kingdom. All right. So also in this section, I was surprised how I felt in my spirit so triggered and alerted to the spirit of trauma and how it's described as being the main bridge to establish strongholds with a people or region. Now, besides being able to personally identify to that, I hate, and and I, I really mean that, I hate that the enemy seeks to bully people into deals and then give them this momentary reprieve 
in exchange for multiple generations of slavery and uh, probably the same thing they were struggling with in the beginning. <laughs> it's just a horrible deal, and it ticks me off, and I believe it ticks off the heart of God. I believe God hates this, and he wants us to come against it. Okay, moving on. So pages 44 and 40, 45, Otis Jr., he tells of how demonic strongholds stay in place. He makes a strong argument that they're held in place by ancestral and cultural celebrations, festivals, ceremonies, and even pilgrimages. Now, during these events, people will make covenants with deities, quote-unquote, and they'll re-up the oath given in generations before to demons. So, Otis Jr., he remarks that, it's astounding how much demonic outbreaks and, and darkness power goes out during these events. And um, so I, I thought this was really interesting that when we think of, okay, how does a demonic stronghold stay in place in a region? Uh, he believes they stay in place through these uh, ceremonies and these culturally almost embraced generation after generation uh, ceremonies or festivals where packs are, are re-upped and, and uh, re-committed to. Okay, so on the bottom of page 45, the author begins to talk about adaptive deception. And this is what the enemy does. Uh, Otis Jr. talks about how if an old deception of the enemy stops working, then the enemy will adapt and begin to morph the deception into something new. And I felt the Lord say that the deception, as I was reading this, I, I felt the Lord say the deception being sold to Orlando is wearing off and the enemy is preparing to adapt. And then I felt like the Lord was saying, we should preemptively pray against the enemy's adaptation. Meaning, let's pray that the enemy can't adapt. That the revelation and truth of the Lord is so clear and powerful that the enemy can't sell another lie to the greater Orlando area. Okay. So next, Otis Jr. goes into prevailing bondage versus root bondage. Again, he's bringing us back into this further explanation of wanting to find the root bondage in our given region. Um, so it's the same principle as I, as I was reading this chapter. I just found it so fascinating that what he was describing is the same principle that we find with individual people's freedom with even psychology, that you want to find the root of a person's struggle and root that out, and that will actually bring healing to their life. If you find a symptom, it's not really going to help. He goes on to describe that many times we think that a specific area of bondage is the root, when the truth is that area is a symptom, and it's taking, and when we take that out, it won't really help us in the long run. For instance, a doctor can give someone medicine to calm anxiety, but that only helps the symptom. 
Now, sometimes there's a chemical imbalance in a person and they need medicine, and that, that's okay. I'm not trying to say there aren't times when medicine won't help. I know that that's true. But in many cases, to truly heal anxiety, a person must let God reveal the root of their anxiety and then heal that place in their hearts. And many times that root can be found in a childhood trauma or in an area where they feel they've always been deficient or or something like that. But the point is, this is the same principle with regional spiritual warfare. So we wanna get to the bedrock root the base root of the issue in our region. And as the author points out, many times the root bondage will be found by looking into the history of the region. Now, uh, we want to look at what agreements have been made with the enemy, what dark patterns have been set, and, and where they've been set. Um, and for our area, it may mean looking back into Native American roots and what they did to this, what they did in the land. Possibly, um, it could mean what was taken from Native Americans by those who colonized this region and it became America. Possibly, it could mean looking back at the beginnings of the city of Orlando, the origin stories. And, of course, we'll be getting into that in months, in, in the weeks and months ahead. So, excited about us diving into the roots of this area and seeing what spiritual uh, roots may be there. All right, so next in the chapter, Otis Jr., he talks about how the enemy lays down roots and builds strongholds. And he talks about the banyan tree. I just thought this was super fascinating. It, 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 was so, it just fascinated my heart. But if you haven't looked this tree up, then I encourage you to look it up. Google it. Um, and this, this tree is just literally crazy sauce. I've never seen it before. Um, but when I saw it for the first time on my little Google search, I just felt, I, I felt in my spirit what the author was describing. I just felt disgusted that this is what the enemy does. And it's gross seeing all these roots that there are these huge roots surrounding this main root, and you can't even tell which one is the main one. And this is many times what we see in individuals' lives, that the, if there's multiple demons involved, that many times they're protecting the main one. And you almost have to unlayer the demonic uh, strongholds in their life. And it's going to be like that in this city as we press in and let the Lord unlayer what's there. He's going to reveal it, and we're going to be able to un uproot all that, all that the Lord wants us to get out and put in all that the Lord wants us to put in. So, also the, the author talked about trauma-induced strongholds. Now, I've seen this in a lot of individuals, and so I just thought that, that was super fascinating. It was interesting to me to, to read this again and again and again in this chapter, this reminder of, of many times the strongholds, the bridge from the enemy is made through trauma. This is one of the main ways in individuals' lives that the enemy brings spiritual strongholds into our lives. But this is also the way he brings it into our region. 
and and I just think it's such a a, a stark contrast between God's kingdom because um, the enemy tries to bring reoccurring trauma that tears us down, but God seeks to bring us habitual. Uh, contact with his goodness and bring it before our eyes so we can be built up. It's just so opposite, his kingdom versus the enemy's kingdom. Nevertheless, um, we should pay attention to what traumas have happened in Orlando, in our history. Uh, And not just that, but in the world. Um, One that I can think of is COVID. I mean, what a traumatic thing for the world to have to pretty much be put on pause or just totally take this uh, out of left field turn where everyone has to stay home for like a year. Um, Now, this is a worldwide trauma. And maybe you can think of other traumas that have happened specifically to our region. But um, these are the kinds of traumas that the enemy gets a footing into our hearts, and he tries to use them to develop a stronghold. All right, so the author ends the chapter with a call for Christian warriors, and this is who we are. Otis Jr. lets us know that the enemy will oppose us greatly, and I could be wrong, but I believe that many of us have experienced this in recent days. But then Otis Jr. goes on to say that we will need accurate intelligence if we are to win the war. And I couldn't agree more. Spiritual mapping is what will help us develop accurate information to take out the enemy. All right, so I want to encourage all of you that though some of this information today in this podcast uh, could feel bleak, um, or, or just, I don't know, lacking in, uh, wow, I feel inspired now. <laughs> uh, I really do want to encourage you. As I mentioned before, I sent an email to Otis Jr.'s organization, the, the Sentinel Group, this week regarding spiritual mapping and asking them, you know, whether uh, Orlando or the world has really been mapped. And they responded. And um, they, they gave me further contacts for who might have that information. But um, they said that what their group focuses on is testimonial videos of what God does when people will uh, intercede for their region and when people will step into God, taking them through the process of, of the mapping and him uh, moving through their group to, to come up with a strategy to win the war in their region, and then they take out the enemy, and the whole region changes. And there's multiple stories that they sent me, and they're like, here, here's a list of um, documentaries that we, we have put together of communities that God has radically changed who just simply follow him in praying for their region and doing what he's calling them to do. And so I, I'm um, going to give these links in the email I'm sending you um, that I hope, uh, even the trailers, I mean, the, the videos cost money to buy, but and maybe we'll get together and watch one sometime soon, but even the trailers are motivational and encouraging of what God will do through this process as we uh, map this region and then come up with a plan to 
to come in and battle and kick the enemy out. All right? The Lord is working. He's on the move. I feel it. As we went and prayed Saturday, that was one of the main things we felt was the Lord is winning. His victory is assured. We just have to continue to press in with him. So let's do that. Love you, team. God bless.